We've had a couple of people in the hospital. One is Margaret Cole, who had a stroke this week. She was actually, last Sunday afternoon after she left church, she went over to the Marlboro Mall and she was over there for a little while and she started feeling bad. And so she called her husband and said, I, you know, I'm not doing well. Can you come and pick up my car? And she called an aunt of hers and said, I'm not doing well. Can you, maybe if I come over, can you fix me something to eat? And anyway, she was not doing well, knew she wasn't doing well. So she called 911 and they came and took her by ambulance. And she had a stroke right there at Walmart over at the mall. Um, she's doing much better. Uh, when I saw her on Tuesday, she was not doing well. And I thought, oh, this, you know, this is... Uh, very unfortunate. And then I saw her the next day and she was like 100% better. So I think Margaret will be fine. That's my guess. I, I haven't heard anything the last couple of days, uh, but we need to keep praying for her and asking God to bless her. She seems to be coming back quickly. I've actually heard, I don't know if you, somebody else could maybe corroborate this. I've heard that there's a drug that they can now give somebody who has a stroke and if they get it to them quickly enough that it really remedies the impact of the stroke very quickly. So I'm guessing that Margaret probably got that and she was doing much better. So praise the Lord for that. Um, I also had a chance to see Barb Zorn a couple of times this week. And uh, we really need to keep praying for, uh, for Barb and Gary. Um, Barb is, you know, she's lost lots and lots of weight. Like she's lost between 40 and 50 pounds. Her blood pressure goes up and down like crazy. Like, like sometimes her blood pressure is incredibly low and then, like, the next day it was incredibly high. And they're having a, a great deal of trouble figuring out exactly what this is. And so I, I saw her uh, as of last night. Robin and I went and saw her. And they still, they, they run all kinds of tests. And they, they could not tell us last night what was going on. Uh, and she's weak, you know, just weaker and weaker all the time. She can't get out of bed now to walk to the washroom uh, because she's so weak. So we need to be praying about Barb as well. And let me do that right now. Lord, we ask your special blessings on Barb Zorn. Father, we pray, first of all, that doctors would be able to track what's going on with her and figure out exactly uh, what's happening. She's had so many tests, and, and yet they haven't been able to figure it out yet. So I pray that they would quickly be able to discern what's going on with Barb. But because you're the healer of all life, God, we just pray that you would heal her. Uh, whether the doctors ever figure out what's going on with Barb's life, we just pray that you would bring healing into her life, heal her body, and make her well. That's our prayer, Father. And Lord, we pray that you'd be with Margaret and help her to come back very quickly from her stroke. She's already made some progress, God, but we just want her to make more and more progress and make it quickly. And again, you can heal her, and we pray that you would, whether it's through your direct healing of her body or through medical means or whatever it is, God, we just pray your special blessings on Margaret, that you'd bring her back to full health, uh, I know she wants to get out of the hospital and start doing the things she was doing before. So bless her that that might be possible. Uh, we continue to pray, God, for Imelda's family and the loss of her father in the last week. And we pray that you'd bless them, Father, with your peace and comfort. All these things we pray through Jesus. Amen. So we have a clip that we're going to show uh, from A River Runs Through It. You know, we've got this fishing theme going on. It's kind of everywhere. It's up there. It's here. You notice what's happening to this fellow here? I'm not going to say it, okay? I'm not going to say what's happening. But you see the, the waders, the feet sticking up out of the water, okay? Something's going on there. How many of you just want to keep watching the movie and not listen to me? 
<laughs> you didn't have to raise your hand, David. <laughs> yeah, he did get his fish, and it was big. It was very nice. Actually, uh, somebody was saying to me just a few moments ago that, that uh, there was portions of that film that were filmed at uh, Yellowstone Bible Camp, just south of Livingston in Montana, which is owned by Churches of Christ, of course. Well, every Sunday, you folks come here. And every Sunday, I come here too. And while we're here, there are various things that happen. Here we go. Thanks, Ed. There are various things that happen. And we always hope that what happens here is of great benefit and blessing to us. But all of it depends, I think, on the way that we approach what it is that we're doing with our faith. I want you to read something here. Christianity, for many, means this. Going to church and they're sharing in a few brief rituals. The Lord's Supper. Listening to a sermon. Making an obligatory financial contribution. Singing a few songs. This is especially the case with thousands who attend megachurches where they can anonymously hide, free from genuine commitments to Christian service, to evangelistic relationships, or from personal growth. Their days and weeks go by, and for them, their evangelical Christianity has become not much different than the Roman Catholic or mainline denominational commitment to going to church on Christmas and Easter. They just go to church about 20 times more a year. Their easy believism challenges them little, requires of them little, impacts them little, and so they little follow Christ nor impact their world for Christ. Aren't you glad we're not a megachurch then? Aren't you glad that we don't have that problem? That it's just the big churches who have people who come here Sunday after Sunday, including myself, and who have this kind of attitude about what it is that they experience in Christ. And of course, if you look at this, the fact is, of course, it's not just the mega churches who experience this. You can experience this in any congregation across North America and around the world, wherever you want to go. Big, small, it doesn't matter. Because the issue is not how big the church is. The issue is who's in the church and what is their perspective about their faith. And so this morning, I want us to focus on a couple of questions. First, if you're honest, does this describe you? What we just read. Does that describe you? Let me go back. Going to church and there sharing a few brief rituals. The Lord's Supper, listening to a sermon, making an obligatory financial contribution, singing a few songs. Is that your experience of church? If you're honest, does this describe you? And then I want to ask, do you care to do anything about it if it is? Like, if that's your experience, does this mean enough to you that you'd like to do something about it? Or does it mean little enough 
that it doesn't really matter. Here's what I think is the case with many of us. I don't think we want to hide. I said in the big church you can go there and you just kind of hide and nobody knows you're there. There's no fellowship really. No experience with the church other than what you get on Sunday morning. But with us, you can't really hide. I can see you. And I don't think our problem is that we want to hide. I do think that we just allow ourselves to become distracted or unfocused. I do think that happens with us. And the fact is, it happens even with me. When I was about 17 or 18 years old, my father, who had not taught me to fish really, like dad and I, we were close and we did different things together, but when it came to fishing, I kind of learned how to fish on my own. He didn't really fish much when I was growing up. He, he had done a lot of fishing before I was born, but after that, not so much. So he didn't really teach me to fish, but one day when I was about 17 or 18, it was during the summertime, I was back from university, and he said to me, why don't we go to Central Oregon and go fishing for a few days? He didn't usually ask that of me, so I thought that was great. As it turned out, it was really nice because within about a year or so, he died. And of course, I didn't know that at the time, and he, neither did he, but it was really nice to have that trip with my dad. So he and I went over to Central Oregon, and, and we got there the first night, you know, kind of late in the afternoon, and decided that we'd go down to the river and start fishing. Well, we're standing maybe 50 feet apart on the river from each other, and I'm looking over, and I'm watching dad fish. And I, I'd fished quite a bit. I knew what I was doing. I was casting, you know, getting my line into the water. But my father had not fished in quite some time. And so I was watching him and it became obvious very quickly that he really wasn't doing it well. You know, like he's trying to cast, but he's not really getting the line out. You know, things are getting kind of balled up and it's just not working. So I walked over to him and I kind of worked on his reel for a bit with him and I showed him how to work this reel that was relatively new to him and all of that. And so he started casting, and pretty soon he was doing fine. And he turns to me, and he said this. He said, you know, he said, it's not that I can't fish. I just forgot how. Because it had been quite a while. And I sometimes wonder if it's not like that with those of us who are in Christ, especially when it comes to any kind of real spiritual depth among us. Like, there's probably nobody in the room who hasn't had some kind of deep spiritual experience at some point in your life. If nothing else, most of us have been baptized. Most of us have gone through the immersion experience of Christ, having Christ completely come into your life. And there was a moment like that when you were on fire. You probably came out of the water like I did when I was baptized, and you thought to yourself, man, this is fantastic. I have relationship with God. And it was wonderful for you. But over a period of time, in fact, over a period of years of coming here Sunday after Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, pretty soon the experience of being here with other people begins to not mean quite as much as it did. And in fact, the rituals that we go through, the things in which we participate when we're worshiping God, begin to not mean as much to us as they once did. And it's almost as if the spiritual depth that was ours, we begin to forget what that was like. I still know how to do this, or I should say, I can do this, but I've forgotten exactly what it's like. And I think 
that we are in some level like that. Now, it's interesting, that same night, like dad caught one fish that afternoon, I caught one fish. We went back to our camper, had supper, climbed into the camper to go to bed. And as I'm climbing into bed, I realized I hadn't cleaned my fish. So I said to dad, ah, you know, I forgot to clean my fish. I don't want it to just sit there all night not being cleaned. You know, I'm going to go clean it. So he said, sure, he's already in bed. So I went and I got my fish and it's pitch dark. I walked down to the riverside in the darkness, you know, but I can kind of see where the water is anyway. I've got a knife and I, you know, I bend down and I, and I start to clean this fish. And all of a sudden the fish slips out of my hands and the river is moving relatively quickly. And so all of a sudden in the darkness, the fish is gone. And I'm like this, you know, reaching into the water after this fish that probably now is 10 feet down the river. And I'm still fishing for it. No luck. Lost my fish. So I go back to the camper and I said, Dad, wouldn't believe it. I, you know, I lost my fish. And he said to me, and I've never got this either. He said to me, I would have thought that you would have held it by the gills. And he was exactly right. And the fact is, I have never forgotten again. Like any time I go fishing, I always, always since then, when you're holding a fish, I hold it by the gills so that it doesn't slip away because fish are kind of slippery and slimy. And I've never lost one like that since. Well, dad had not forgot everything about fishing. And the fact is, we're like that too. There are things that we do forget. There are ways in which we want to be what God wants us to be spiritual, spiritually, but we haven't forgotten all of it, even if some of it feels a bit stale, even if some of it is a bit forgotten, we didn't forget it all. So this could be you this morning. Maybe you used to do your Christianity differently and have just become unaccustomed to doing it in a fervent way. Maybe it just doesn't impact you the way that it used to, but it's not because you've forgotten it all. There is something that still is there. And of course, God is still there. So I'd like to think that we could still be choosing, learning to fish again, perhaps even in deep waters. Where before, maybe we would have said, I have to stay in the safe, shallow water. Or I'm going to, if we're going to use this metaphor, swim. I'm going to swim in pretty shallow, slow waters because I'm not sure how to do this the way I used to. And God, I think, still wants us to go a bit deeper. And so I would say, Ed, you want to move me, please? Thanks. There is room for the most committed among us to practice our faith at a deeper level. That's just a fact. We all can go a bit deeper than we are. So I want to talk this morning about where we're going to begin with that. How do we start to fish deeper waters? How do we start swimming, perhaps, in deeper waters? And there's lots of things that could be said. I just want to say four this morning that I think might be helpful. It's kind of like back to fishing 101 a bit. And yet at the same time, just like my father goes back to fishing 101, pretty soon he's catching fish. And we can do the same as well, even if it's just 101. And here's the thing I want to say to you this morning also, and that is, I guarantee this will work. I guarantee it. You know, I I could show my dad how to cast his, you know, his new rod and reel, 
But I couldn't begin to guarantee him that he was going to catch fish. I guarantee you that this is going to work. This is not a quick fix. This is a solid fix. And the issue is not whether or not this will work, because I know it'll work. The issue is whether or not we will all work at it. Like, will we do something to try and go into deeper waters? Like literally fishing or swimming, rather than standing on the edge of the stream or at the pool and thinking that we can't do it. We just can't do it. Or maybe thinking, well, the fly, the fly casting expert here doesn't really know what he's talking about. Or the, the swimming coach doesn't really know what they're talking about. In this case, I, I think I know something about this because I've experienced both the inability to do it and the ability to do it. And so we need to do something that will move us toward deeper waters, toward the deep end of the pool. And this works. Now, maybe if you were all great fly fishermen or women, or great swimmers, you wouldn't need this. But my guess is that we're all not great at being the spiritually deep persons that God wants us to be. And if we're struggling this morning at all with spiritual depth, this will take us there. So, three questions and a comment. Ed, you want to move me, please? Thank you. First question, go ahead. What did Jesus do to go deeper? That's the first question that needs to be asked. Now, most of us, when we hear that question, if you're like me, you automatically start thinking of very close in the Gospel of Mark, right at the beginning in chapter 1, talks about how Jesus went out, got up really early in the morning, went out while it was still dark, and began to pray. This is kind of standard fare for what did Jesus do in his spiritual life. And that's exactly right. Jesus did do that. He got up early. He went out while it was still dark. He prayed. In fact, the disciples, have to, they go looking for him because they can't find him. They find him off in the darkness praying. And they tell him, there's so many people looking for you. He eventually says, well, you know, I've got, I've got to go preach the kingdom in other places. So he actually moves on. I think he probably was asking God, his father, what should I do now with my ministry? I've got this throng of people who are after me. Well, Jesus does that, but that's not the only thing that Jesus does. And I think we should ask some questions as we actually go through the Gospels. How did Jesus spend his time? With whom did he spend it? What were his priorities? What were his core teachings? When he healed somebody, why did he heal them? When he talked about the kingdom of God, why did he talk about the kingdom of God? What were those parables all about? What were the conversations that he had with people like the woman at the well or with Nicodemus? What were those conversations about? Why did he have them the way that he did? What were his goals? We need to study the goals and emulate the practices of Jesus. And the only way I know to do that is to get into the Gospels. We have to read the Gospels and try and understand what it is that Jesus is doing and saying there. Now, I could stop. I could stop with number one, I think, and actually we'd be all right. I could stop right there because if everybody began to say, you know what, I'm just going to read the Gospels and do what Jesus does and follow his example and listen to his teachings, man, we would be so far ahead. But we wrestle with this. We need to just devote ourselves to what Jesus says and does, what he teaches, what he shows us, and we'd be so far ahead. Second thing, Ed, thank you. What did David do to go deeper? And I'll tell you, to choose David is not an arbitrary choice. 
We talked about David earlier on in the summer. Do you remember this? What did we say about David? David was a man after God's own heart. And if David was a man who was after God's heart, if, if I somehow put myself in the position of being David and I seek God the way that David did, I've got to think that I'm going to move in a positive direction. The David is interesting because David prayed intensely. He knew God well, but then he wrote things down. In fact, I would say, write things down, write down your prayers. And if you write down your prayers, God is going to use that to bless your life. And then I would say, study the Psalms and specifically ask about the devotions of David's heart. Look at this Psalm, Ed. Psalm 63 verses 1 through 8. This is a great, great passage of scripture. Jonathan had us read a psalm earlier today from Psalm 42. It was so beautiful. But listen to these words or or read this with me. You, God, are my God. Earnestly, I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a a dry and parched land where there is no water. I've seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory because your love is better than life. My lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live and in your name I will lift up my hands. I will be fully satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips my mouth will praise you. On my bed I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night because you are my help. I sing in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you, your right hand upholds me. You can just feel the vitality of David's faith, the power of the relationship that he has with God. And clearly, if we went to this one, if we stayed in the Psalms and read them and drank from these Psalms and prayed over the Psalms, that God would use these to take us into a deep place before him, as deep as David went. Wow. Those are amazing words. That's an amazing place to go before the Lord, but we can go there. And then, thirdly, what did the Christians do in Acts 2, 42 through 47? Go ahead and turn in your Bibles there. I want you to read this with me. I know we're familiar with this passage. It's one that we know so well, but I want us to read it again. Acts chapter 2, look at this in your Bibles. And as you turn there, I just want you to ask yourselves these kinds of questions. What did they devote themselves to? What is it they gave themselves to? What did their life together look like? Look at this from Acts 2.42. They devoted themselves, it says, to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. So they gave themselves, it says, to the apostles' teaching. Like how many of you wake up every day and think to yourself, today I'm going to devote myself to the apostles' teaching. Today the fellowship of being with my brothers and sisters in Christ is going to be top priority for me. How many of you think, all I want to do today is take the Lord's Supper? They devoted themselves, it says, to these things, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe. Many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. And I don't want to move over that. Sometimes we just read this like, well, that doesn't apply to us. 
But when people are responding to God the way that God wants them to respond, things happen. God is among them doing things. And so much of this has to do with whether or not we are willing to go with them all the way, to be deep into the Lord. All the believers were together and had everything in common. When's the last one you tried? Well, the last time you tried that? Oh, all the believers were together. They had everything in common. There's a challenge for us. Selling their possessions and goods, just in case you wondered what the previous verse meant. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together. Every day they met together? Are you kidding me? Like sometimes for me to get here two or three times a month, it's about all I can do for a few minutes. They met every day together. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Well, I guess when you live like this, other people notice. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Because when people live like this, things happen. So again, what did they devote themselves to? In what ways were they together? What did they share? What did life look like for these people? Talk about deeper water. And then in terms of a suggestion, number four... Make use of the thousands of resources available to you as books and recordings. You know, I know you'll find this terribly hard to believe, but there are better preachers out there than me. No, seriously. Seriously. There are hundreds of them. There are thousands of them. And lots of them are online. Some of them look better. And, they're, and, they, and, they, and they have lower voices. But these resources are available to us everywhere, and we need to go ahead and, and seek those resources. I love it when somebody comes to me and says, you know, I was listening to so-and-so on the radio this week. Or I was listening to this e-book on my radio or in my, you know, in my car or on my player, whatever you've got. Like, I'm so impressed when people say they're doing those kinds of things because God is using those resources to bless them. And I just want to encourage you to go ahead and seize the opportunity of those resources as well. Well, you know, that's, that's all I kind of have this morning. Four, four things here to say, these would take us deeper into Christ. And you might say, well, that's pretty simplistic, don't you think, Kelly? I mean, there's got to be some... Some deeper answers if we're going to go deeper than that. That's what you call going deeper? Well, if that's what you're thinking, then you're worse off than I thought you were. Because if following Jesus and what he said and did and the way that he interacted with people and then following a man after God's own heart... And then following the early church in their example of devotion. And then reading and listening to the thoughts of thousands of Christians who've shared and taught regarding growth in Christ. If, if you don't need that, 
If that doesn't somehow fizz on you, if those don't seem like good places to start a journey going deeper into Christ, then I've got serious questions about whether or not you really want to go swimming anyway. I don't know if you want to fish. Because these sound to me like ways that the person who stands on the bank and maybe remembers what it was like could again go into those deeper waters and have that experience. And so the question today is whether or not you're willing to jump in. Are we going to jump in? Can we jump in together? Can we go into deeper waters and have have God bless us as we do? I'm praying that we can. And I'm looking forward to the blessings that he's going to bring. Let's pray. Holy Father, help us today to be willing to seek you with all our hearts. And Father, help us to not be satisfied with, with a faith, with a Christianity that's an inch deep and a mile wide. Help us to go into deeper waters. Lord, help us to swim with you. Help us to fish with you. Help us to go where you are. Transform us as we become the disciples, the followers of you that you want us to be. We pray through Jesus. Amen.